What up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Max McCoy, and this is Looking Up. Today, we have a different style of a podcast. I am not the host today. I am the guest. And so I was interviewed by Taylor Morgan of the Captain's Lifestyle podcast. And I like to sometimes share um, when I'm a guest on other people's podcasts because people ask me good questions and it takes me down a rabbit hole maybe I haven't gone down with you guys particularly with my listeners so this was a fun one where that was the case on this episode I get asked about some fun topics like entrepreneurship um, my journey into personal development the school system how I define success uh, and a lot more and I talk about, you know, you guys know I talk about personal development. You know I talk about mental health, mindset, um, being our best. But how did I get here? And I got asked that, and that's always fun. And then we talked about the school system, which was a big part of my journey. And my dissatisfaction with the school system was a big reason why I went down this authentic path. Um, I have since carved kind of a a unique path for myself career-wise. I do production and I do media for some of the coolest you know, personal development influencers and authors in the world. And that's pretty damn cool. And that's like an entrepreneurial path. And I don't talk about that very often. And so it's cool to be able to chop, chop it up with Taylor about that. Um, again, Taylor hosts the captain's lifestyle podcast. If you're interested in checking out his work, I'll include a link below. Um, so yeah, enjoy this, you know, fun, different style podcast. Thought I would just share it with you guys. Why not? Um, to get a better look at who I am. So Thanks again, Taylor, for asking good questions. I had a fun time, and uh, hope you guys enjoy this fun episode. Here we go. Max, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. First off, you want to you wanna tell people a little background on yourself? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a video creator. I'm a podcaster. I'm really excited about things like personal development, psychology, and performance. I have a background, a sports background. I played basketball until the college level. Um, so there I really grew my love and interest for performance and optimizing the body and your skill set. And then transitioning out of sport is when I really shifted into this personal development world, trying to find myself because I think a lot of us, when we transitioned from something that encapsulates our whole life and it's our passion. When we transi- transition out of that, um, there's a lot of dark night of the soul that can happen. Like, what do I do with myself now? And so in that, I have really used myself as like a test case and have just tried everything I could from psychological and spiritual practices to kind of make myself the happiest version of myself, but also one that is high performing still and doing the things I want to do in this world. So that's kind of my energy and then the stuff I put out in the internet world that is why you found me is basically just you know podcasts uh, videos and just stuff that I have found works for me through um, practice and then from the clients I work with um, who are also in the personal development world I basically just try to share the information that younger Max needed um, when he was feeling most lost and directionless so that's a little uh, synopsis of what I'm what I am and why I do what I do yeah I love that uh, and I wish that I would have found someone like you back when I was younger, back before all this personal development stuff. Mm. Um, because like one of the things that I always hear is like, oh, I wish I would have started sooner mm. and all this stuff. So um, the fact that you're doing this now uh, is is amazing. Mm. So I know basketball was a big part of your life. Um, and then it came to an end. And I know you you kind of felt lost there. So you, you want to you wanna tell people a little bit about what 
like how you came out of that, like what you use to, to find your, your new purpose? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm sure you kind of went through a similar thing. I heard your story and it, it resonates. So yeah, basketball just like, I can't stress it enough. It was my entire life. Like it was what I connected with from a young age. And I just saw, you know, these stud athletes and they became my superheroes. And so I just wanted to be those guys. And so you know, every day after school I'm shooting. And then it was what me and my dad connected on. So it was like, not only this thing I loved and tried to get better at, but it was ingrained in my relationships and with my family, it was so deep in my identity and the identity piece, I think is what makes it the hardest because when basketball was done, I was like, I was excited about it. I was like, I'm excited to see where my life goes from here. But that identity piece uh, really affected me. I was like, you know, after about six months of not playing basketball anymore, I really settled into this, like, who am I now? Um, And so it was that identity crisis that I think so many of us go through when we transition to something new. And so I was feeling lost. I didn't know what I wanted. Um, The options that the world was seemingly giving me in terms of what I could do next just didn't resonate. And that's where I just started, um, like I said already, just started experimenting. And so what really initially started getting me out of that little hole was really self-ownership. I would say like, stop. I had to stop asking my parents and my family and the school I was going to in terms like, what, what am I going to do? What do I do next? I was looking for answers. I expected someone to give me the answers and that just never came. So I, I would say the biggest thing that I started with was that shift. Of, okay. I'm curious now that curiosity had to be there for me to like, start to take the next steps. I'm curious to see if I can improve from where I am now. And so I would say the biggest initial catalyst for me was just reading um, personal development books and spirituality books. I know similarly with your story, um, you know, you read a couple books and like it, a light bulb can go off and you can read a book where an author has put, you know, decades of information into days for you. And you can really find the words written on a paper that maybe you had felt deep down for a long time, but never had validated for yourself. And so I started to see, oh, okay, there's other ways of doing these things. Oh, there's other ways to approach my mindset. Oh, there's other ways to take care of myself that might make me feel um, better in myself. And and there's things I can do to start finding purpose. So the first initial catalyst for me was like that curiosity and that openness uh, and then, you know, reading. And then from there it was implementing all I was reading, implementing all I was learning. Uh, and that's a much, that's a much longer, you know, wormhole there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know for me, because you're right, we were kind of in a, in a similar situation. I used to despise reading. Reading, yeah. Like I don't think I like read a book from cover to cover until like I was 21. I think. <laughs> Dude, man, I think so many book. of us. Yeah. Yeah, because everybody says like, oh, you should be reading more, like all these benefits and stuff. But it, it wasn't really until I figured it out for myself after I broke my ankle and was going down this road of either you either get worse or you can start to improve and make the best out of the situation. So would you say that it, it was kind of that transition from basketball to like, what is the next thing that you're going to be passionate about that really got you into reading? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it absolutely was. And it was the first like kind of glimmer of insight I had was like, you know, the word entrepreneurship is super buzzwordy and, you know, looking back, I just, I was an economics major and I didn't think I wanted to be doing any of the jobs that were laid out for me. And so I was like, sounds like I have to be an entrepreneur. And, uh, and so I would say like, I started studying the people that I thought, you know, I used to study like Kobe Bryant and all these basketball players I wanted to be like. And so when I transitioned out of basketball, I was like, okay, who could I at least model now? 
and I looked at a lot of high level entrepreneurs and one of the common themes between anybody who achieved anything, you know, the quote re leaders are readers really resonated with me. I'm like, okay, if all these guys are doing this, everyone I'm looking up to right now read a ton of books. Like I should probably start reading books. And yeah, it's crazy, man, because we grow up hating reading. It's like they're shoving books in our face from like before we can even think until we're like, you know, young adults. And so we have this weird emotional connection with books. That's oftentimes negative. Like if you're like me and you didn't grow up in a family that, you know, had a really chill nighttime routine where the whole family read books, that wasn't my family. Um, you probably hate reading too. And it's, it's not really our fault. And I think as we get older, we just have to learn to find the books that we actually resonate with because it's not reading we don't like. It's just the information that we have hated to read for so long. So exactly. yeah, man, that, that was the initial shift for sure. Okay, cool. I definitely want to touch on the, uh, the school aspect of things. But before we get to that, uh, I know one of your recent podcasts that just came out talked about how to begin to read more. Uh, and implement the things that you're reading. Uh, mm. My question for you is, what do you think of reading a lot of books versus reading a few books multiple different times? Mm. Because one of my mentors and the people that I look up to is uh, Dr. Daniel Kimberly. He's my chiropractor. And on his podcast, he explains how he used to be um, like reading all these different types of books, but he would find that he wasn't really implementing a lot of the things like he was kind of going in one ear out the other and one of the strategies that he's implemented was picking like three books and just reading those on repeat until they are ingrained in his head uh, and he's basically drained all the information what are your thoughts on that you know that's really that's a great question uh that is something that i've been taking really serious this year 2020 i would say at first so there, there's there's two ways to take that because you know, on one hand, I love the notion that you, there's not one book that you'll read and you won't take something away of, or you won't take something away from it. Every single book you read, even if you walk away hating it, um, especially if it's a nonfiction, I would say you're going to take something, you're going to hear a perspective, you're going to hear an insight, you're going to hear a tip that's going to resonate with you that you didn't know before. And so it's like, one could argue, the more books you read, just the more insight you'll have and a more wider range of knowledge. But that, I mean, I've read like almost 200 books in the last five years and I could start to feel myself having a really shallow depth of knowledge in a lot of different areas between psychology, performance, the way I take care of my body, spirituality, all these things. But there are a certain amount of books that I just loved so much and that they were so impactful for me that I found myself reading them, you know, once a year. So I would read new books, but I would keep circling back to, I would say like five-ish books that I just absolutely loved. And so to your point, they started to deeply ingrain into me. They became more a part of my identity. I started to really be able to find different facets of it that I didn't catch the first time. Or I'll underline a piece of the book. And then the next time I read it, I'll look at the part I underlined and I'll be like, oh, I like that's not even profound to me anymore. And I'm now finding other parts of the book that are more profound. And it's cool to see your growth within a book. So mm -hmm. I totally resonate with the point that you know, read a book that you really resonate with um, multiple times. I would argue if you choose three books and, you know, you kind of like two of them and you really like the one, um, don't reread those two that you kind of liked. Reread the one that you really resonated with. Um, so I love that idea. And yeah, like this, this year, actually, I'm starting to take serious. I'm going over my book notes that I've, uh, all the books I've read in the past. I'm really trying to make sure that 
that wisdom, I think wisdom is applied knowledge, not just, you know, and, and intellect is like, I know that, but wisdom is applied and embodied knowledge. So yeah. I'm really working on embodying everything I learned. And that takes uh, revisiting the information frequently, as you heard on that recent podcast. So I will also highlight the books I read and transfer those highlights into a piece of paper after I'm done reading. And that process really helps me kind of ingrain what I liked from that book into my brain even further. So I think there's so much to, yeah, revisiting books uh, and making sure you're just not like scratching the surface, which is helpful in the beginning. But if you really want to go deep on your intellect and really build and really get these books to be a part of your being, I think revisiting them is necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I love that distinction you made between knowledge and wisdom because you can have all the knowledge in the world, but unless you actually implement that and even like start teaching it to others, then it's really doing nobody any good. Mm. Um, and so I love that distinction you made there. Yeah. What are those five or so books that you mm. do read over and over again? I'm going to turn around in my bookshelf. Um, okay. So well, first one, I, 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 I mean, I'll remember it is the alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Uh, it's one of the most widely read books in the world. So it's not like some, you know, sexy answer, but in terms of a young man finding his path, I think that book is just a beautiful book. It's easy to read. It's a fable. I don't usually read fiction, but it's a fiction book. Paulo Coelho is one of my favorite authors of all time. So the alchemist I read every year and it just helps me like, you know, I've, I've grown to find uh, through, you know, this process we're talking about, I've grown to become a little spiritual when I didn't grow up spiritual or religious. That book was one of the ones that kind of opened my mind to a new type of listening and, and following signs and listening to the world and seeing where I'm being led. Uh, that book is super profound for me. Um, the Artist's Way by Julia Cameron is a, is a really powerful book for me. It's uh, the, sub, the subline is A Spiritual Path to Creativity. So it's a really interactive book that offers you a ton of journal exercises. If you follow me, you know I'm huge on journaling and what that can do for you. So that book is one I often revisit. Um, Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon, another book on creativity. Super simple read that you could read. I read it in two hours. Hmm. Um, but it's just, you know, as I consider myself an artist in the work that I do. So uh, that's a really good one. Deep Work by Cal Newport and uh, Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. And both of those are kind of, um, they go hand in hand. They're just about doing really focused work and kind of shutting out the noise um, and being more mindful of how we use technology. So that's a kind of a, just scratching the surface of five of my favorite books. Yeah, no, I'd love that. Um, one of these, I mean, this book might be one of the ones you just mentioned, but if the listeners had to like read one book, like what is the one book that you would recommend people start with? I would ask you, it, what do you think your listeners want to optimize in their life most? Mm, that is, that is a good point. Um, I would say a lot of my listeners need to start with just expanding their point of view. I feel like a lot of my listeners um, are just very much like caught up in normal society, like watching the news or just brought up in like this traditional school system, go to the nine to five mm. job, mm. Um, things like that. Maybe they want to transition into entrepreneurship or maybe they already are an entrepreneur and need to kind of expand mm. their mindset. Hmm. I, w I mean, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss is like 
one of the first I read. And I think it's such a good book because it really forces you to, to define, you know, so many of us that are in that nine to five are, you know, I'm not in the nine to five, but so many people that work that nine to five are doing it for good reasons. Like they really do believe that is the most secure and proper way to get to that like rich idea or like, you know, feeling safe, feeling secure. And, and that's the only way they see for them. And, and the four hour work week really opened my eyes. And I think so many people that I respect's eyes to the idea that you can define what rich means for you. And Tim Ferriss calls it the new rich and, it doesn't mean that you have maybe a million dollars in your bank account, but maybe you make $50,000 a year. You know, Gary V talks on this. You make $50,000 a year doing happiness. what you absolutely love. It's all about happiness. So from a practical standpoint to redefining what rich is for you and then being given actual tools and insights on how you can make that happen. I think if you read the four hour work week, your, your brain will never be the same again. And the way you treat work Will never be the same again so that's definitely the a huge book for me one of the first i ever read so um that's that's the answer to that perfect um all right let's go back to your experience with school and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. because the school system um just like the traditional like work setting is not set up for entrepreneurship it's like mm-hmm. like you mentioned the 95 like do this just do what you're told color inside the lines basically don't be creative. Um, so what was your experience with school? And I guess if this relates, when did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great question, man. You're, I'm having fun. You're answering, you're asking really good questions. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, school just never felt like aligned for me. And I really did feel like, you know, I love the quote. I think it's Einstein that you could try to teach a fish how to climb a tree and it'll, th- and it'll spend its whole life thinking it's stupid. And that's, that's really how I felt. And, you know, I, I got good grades in school. I got like B's and A's, but I basically cheated my way through school because I was like, what are you teaching me right now? You are like my brain. I, I, I always considered myself a artistic kind of people person, like really good with people. Um, I loved sport. I, like, I knew what I was interested in from a young age. Um, and just to, to be forced to learn about like how to multiply all these ends of a triangle and like how to find the, you know, just like all these things that, and the internet was becoming more, you know, prominent. I'm only, I was born in 95. So the internet existed. I'm like, I could literally find these answers. So I think it was just this idea of you're telling me to what I need to learn and you. And I'm seeing in you a lack of open-mindedness, like in the, in the system, the, the teachers I had, the, just the entire system was closed-minded and, and really like making everybody the same and grading everybody the same. To me, that just never resonated. And so, yeah, it was true. From a young age too, you don't know how to advocate for yourself. And where, you know, every kid grows up with certain traits, certain personality traits, certain interests, and so much of kids um, get shunned, you know, or parts of themselves get shunned from the school or their parents. Like you're taught if that interest or that belief that you have doesn't fit within the tribal kind of quote unquote normal, um, like you'll be, you'll be told you're wrong. You'll be told you're stupid. And so from a young age, you know, I see some of my best friends that were so smart and just because they had a lot of energy, they were labeled as like troublemakers. And, uh, I'm kind of rambling here, but like, it's crazy, man. You see like a troublemaker, quote unquote, second grade, there's a hyper kid. He gets labeled a troublemaker. 
he now is in this like, you know, from until we're like 12, our subconscious is just sponge-like. Everything we're picking up on in the world, we're just absorbing because we have no other references. You're telling a seven-year-old, you're a troublemaker, you're a troublemaker, you're bad, stay. Like, what the fuck do you think that's doing to his identity? And so one of my best friends, he was, he was brilliant, but he was hyper and uh, he was, he could figure out anything. He could build anything, but he was always the troublemaker and I'm doing air quotes and, you know, second grade that started third grade that they keep telling him it. And by like eighth grade, you know, of course he's going to embody that identity that the whole world has given him for so long. And he became quote unquote, a troublemaker. He went down like a deep, dark hole with drugs uh, and I, you know, I lost touch with him because he's so far deep in that world. So it, it really is sad to me. And um, yeah, it wasn't until I think graduating college that I really was able to reflect on it from an objective point of view. I always felt like school wasn't right for me. And um, it was traveling that I got to see all these people in other countries, their form of education was so different than mine. And their perspectives on growing up were so different than mine. And over here, I'm thinking the system I grew up in, just because everyone in quote unquote, my world was doing this one thing, I thought that was the only way. I thought normal was the only way. And so traveling showed me that normal is a very objective or subjective term. So what's normal in America, you know, in Denmark is completely bonkers. People would laugh at the way I was growing up. And I saw, saw that. And so coming back, um, I was able to kind of objectify my experience. You know, I was able to see that through college, I was definitely like waiting for someone that I respected to tell me like, here's a path for you. And I wanted to feel excited and that never happened. And it was like freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. It was always like, maybe next year will be the year that an adult tells me uh, that there's a path out there for me and it never happened. Yeah. And, and, and so I don't want to blame the system, but there's, there's inherent flaws in the system. And uh, so I decided to be an entrepreneur. You know, I don't think I've really become an entrepreneur in the real sense until like this year, but for the last like five years, I've been uh, self-employed. And so coming back from Europe, um, just had graduated college. I just decided like, I'm not going to go get a nine to five job doing something I really don't want. So I will try to develop some skills and things that I think I could be good at. And then I'm going to go try to market those skills myself. And that's kind of where it all started for me. Boom. That was yeah, a long winded answer. <laughs> no <laughs> it's worries. A, it's a subject I'm almost most passionate about. It's like the education system. So yeah, uh, I really appreciate that. The question. Of course. Um, yeah. That, that's something I'm passionate about as well. Cause I was kind of in the similar boat. I got decent grades through school, but a lot of it just came because like I would, like kind of cheat my way through it, just find ways to yeah. get the bare minimum. Cause it yeah, was so easy for me to, to exactly. Cheat. You, it's like, they're looking for one specific, you're like, all right, I can get you that, but that doesn't show anything about me. You know, exactly. it's not doing anything for me. I can, I can play your game and I can be good at playing your dumb game, but it's not doing anything. It's a waste of time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so uh, many kids would say that, you know, and the, uh, that guy mentioned Dr. Daniel Kimley, he used to be uh, an English teacher. And hmm. this is part of the reason why he decided to become a chiropractor is because he realized that he got into teaching to like help people. But he realized that the way the school system was set up was that he couldn't make the impact that he wanted to make. Like it just, yeah. it's not set up that way. He talks about the hidden curriculum. Hmm. Um, and so I, I feel like it would be good if 
I feel like it would be good for you guys to connect to, to kind of talk about that. Hmm, um, I would love that. That's a fascinating thing. Yeah, it's like, it's like the teachers might have the best intentions, but they, they have to play the game of the system because the system's paying them. Yeah. So it's almost like, uh, yeah, there's almost going to need to be, I think there's a huge like revolution in education coming. And I think like as a 25 year old, I think like when I have kids one day, I'm going to be totally open to the idea of putting my kid in a school that's not quote unquote, like government certified, you know, because I'm like your government certification on what schooling is like to me is irrelevant. And so I'm yeah. really excited to see maybe like the privatization of school or, you know, some sort of organizations evolve that, you know, I know there's, there's things like that now, but I think it's going to be exciting to see where that, where that progresses. Yeah. And that's already starting to happen. I, um, cause his kids, um, uh, Dr. Kimley is who I'm talking about. He, he's not going to make his kids go to school because he understands how flawed it is. Yeah. And I know you're familiar with Ben Greenfield yeah. uh, and the way that he schools his kids. It's, it's mm. all about this like self taught learning. Like you learn what you're interested in. Totally. Um, have yeah. you seen, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say like one of my, uh, the people I work with in terms of like the video marketing stuff I do is Jim quick. And he's such a good teacher because he really makes it clear that, you know, in school, they tell you what to learn for years and years, but they never teach you how to learn. And, uh, that's such a good, like, you know, just a thought, like, how do I learn? And then the things I began to learn in my personal development journey, like how to regulate emotions, how to, you know, calm down, how to really process your thoughts, how to, how to become self-aware. Like how come some of these most basic things on what it means to be human um, aren't taught to us, but we're taught like details. We're essentially taught the details of our car without knowing how to drive it. And so, um, yeah, I'm so passionate about it, man. <laughs> Are you telling me you don't want to learn how to multiply the size of a triangle? <laughs> yeah. And like, what? Yeah, like how many inches is this specific tree compared to, and it's like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, have you, have you, uh, watched or heard of the show or the docu-series Down to Earth on Netflix? You know, no, but I haven't actually watched it yet, but I'm, uh, I, I know Darian Olian, who is the, yeah. um, who is the co-host and uh, yeah, it looks awesome. So I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah. He's a super cool dude. Um, I'm actually affiliated with his product Barucas. Have you tried those nuts? They're the best, man. Oh my they're God. The they're best. fantastic. They're fantastic. Um, but anyways, I think uh, you would like this episode specifically. It's where they go to Costa Rica. I believe it was. And there's a lot of expats there and they kind of created their own like school system where everything is like self-taught. Like there's no like standards, there's no like grades really. And the kids just learn how to do like physical skills, mental skills. They learn math, but not in like the, the crazy, you'll never use it math. Yeah. Um, cool, then, man. I'm gonna have to check that episode out. Yeah. It's like right up my alley. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I think I want to do most in the world is, I'm like establishing my career and making sure everything is like, you know, stable and set. And, uh, but I think in the next like chapter of my manhood (laughs) of my adult adult life, I see myself creating some sort of educational type system or machine, like, like some, maybe even abroad, some sort of transformational, um, schooling system i'm thinking even maybe like a gap year program where instead of going right to college or right into the workforce people take like three months and kind of just develop themselves as people so Mm. yeah man this is like one of my favorite conversations i love that yeah one of my favorite topics you know like yeah it's so important so real quick before we move on to another topic i have a client right now who's going through my program 
he's an entrepreneur and he believes or his parents have led him to believe that like you have to go to college and by going to college you will therefore have more success as an entrepreneur um what is your take on that did you benefit by going to school no no uh, my the one thing i got was like social skills and i was around a lot of people i had a four-year vacation i the time of four years from 18 to 22 i grew as a person um but I've heard, yeah i've heard it described i i didn't go to college i i started um but i, I didn't finish so i've heard college described as uh high school with a lot more drinking yeah a lot more drinking yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah man i mean my dad he didn't go to college and he's an entrepreneur so it's so funny because he looked at me and said no you have to go to college like, trust me, that's one of my biggest regrets. And, and he paid for my college. So that was like the big why I went. I was like, all right, I'm getting college paid for. It's basically like, you know, he's paying me money. He's paying me like an allowance to go to school. I'm like, this is chill, like whatever. And I really did, but like he programmed me enough to, and everybody programmed me into believing like college was the only way. And so I definitely thought it was going to be great. But after two years, I was like 1000% certain that I did not need this shit. And but I kept going because they were paying for it. Um, I would argue it only took me farther away from the entrepreneurship mind, mindset because rather than 18 years of programming, it was 22 years of programming from school telling me like, think this way, think this way. I think entrepreneurs by nature have to be artists. They have to think outside of the box. They have to be self-sustaining. Um, one of my best friends right now, like Matt Maruka, he's the founder of raw optics, yep. um, cool blue light blocking company. He's 21. And, uh, you know, runs this amazing company. And I look at him and I'm like, if he went to college, there's no way. Um, and it's funny, he's, he's younger than me, but we, we almost both started our careers at the same time. I started after college, he started after high school. And I look at him and I'm like, dang, man, if I started at 18, where would I be by 25? Yeah. Um, so I think it did not help me. Entrepreneurship, if you're going to school for entrepreneurship, it's almost laughable, I think. It's almost laughable. Like, Unless you're going to like business, you know, Harvard and you're, you're trying to become like a VC type guy. If you're one of those people that are self-aware enough to know that you're going to have to start small and bootstrap and maybe freelance and all these things, like there's so many more effective uses of your money from buying books from people that have actually done the thing you want to do, not professors that studied this stuff just to teach it. Um, yeah. You're not investing thousands and thousands of dollars. You're not starting in debt. Um, you could go apprentice for someone who's doing exactly what you want to do, work for them for free and learn real world skills. You could be, you might even get a job out of high school apprenticing for someone or being an assistant for an entrepreneur, getting paid to learn. There's this, or you could just get out of high school and literally just start something and just roll with it and see what happens. Have a job on the side. You know, I was like a waiter for a year while I was getting started and like, it was just that I only learned through doing or from books or from other people doing the thing I wanted to do. So in terms of entrepreneurship, I could, you know, there's obviously other perspectives, but my perspective is it does not help. You don't need it. Yeah, I agree. And I keep trying to tell people that I, I, I think going to college could be fantastic if you need that piece of paper to do the thing that you want to do. Yeah. Like if you want to become a lawyer or like an accountant or something, and you need this little piece of paper saying that you did four years of quote unquote learning, then yes, go do that. But if you don't, then just start doing, learn yeah. by experience, fail, yeah. learn from it, implement new tactics. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Yeah. On that same kind of topic of kind of doing it your own way, what got you started into in self-improvement? Like how did you first begin to experiment, play around with that? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of the first answer. We, we nailed it. I was in a painful place. I was lost. I was depressed. I didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I was good at. And I just needed to become curious. I needed to find answers. And so self-improvement to me started with reading. It came out of a place of pain. I think so many of us are waiting uh, to get the motivation to go do what we know we want to do or go be the person we know we want to be. And between your story, my story, so many people's stories, sadly, sometimes you don't have the motivation to make change in your life until there's enough pain to push you. Like the unknown, the new is often so much more scary, even though it's going to be probably better. The unknown is most often scarier than the known suffering. So even though you're suffering right now, it's almost like we're by design more comfortable in that than the unknown, even though the unknown might be so much better, but there's a tipping point. And it's like, if the known suffering gets to become, you know, that suffering is just going to keep growing, growing, growing. And then you're like, fuck, like I cannot handle this anymore. This is not working. I need to make changes. Like to some degree, that's kind of the journey for so many people. So that that was my journey. I needed to change my feeling of lost and I didn't have control. And then I felt guilty for partying when I didn't have anything to celebrate. And, uh, so that's where my self-improvement journey began. And then I, you know, I started reading, I started opening myself up to new worlds. I started to see things differently. And, and once you start the journey of self-improvement, it's not, it doesn't feel like you're really trying that hard to improve anymore. It's not like this hard thing. Like I'm sure, you know, it's, you're not pushing anymore. You're getting pulled. And it's like, and that's a huge distinction. I like to say is you're not going to, you're not going to be pushing the whole time. Like the hardest part for a plane to take off is, is the beginning so much fuel in the beginning just to go from like zero to you know whatever um, and then you start coasting and then it's a little easier so just getting started i think is the hardest part and that's why sometimes it has to start from a painful place um, but once you do it's a whole new worlds open up yeah and that's one of the main reasons why i created this program uh, to help entrepreneurs is to hopefully catch them before they reach that point of like deep pain and burnout uh, and help get them going on this uh, self-improvement journey. So for you, what is the relationship between self-improvement and entrepreneurship? Hmm. I was actually thinking about this just before this and uh, you know, entrepreneurship is in in a lot of ways, like the ultimate personal development tool. You know, it's uh, you have to be improving yourself to be an entrepreneur or to be a freelance, to be self-employed, to be doing your own thing in any area, you have to be working on yourself. Cause if you just stay at the, your baseline level of who you are, no aspect of your, your professional life can grow with you because when you're an entrepreneur or yourself or you're an artist or you're, you know, doing your own thing, your success in that field is completely dependent on you. And Um, and I think it's so critical. So if you just like stay in your same level of consciousness and you don't start thinking new ways and you don't start doing new things and practicing new tools for yourself, like you're not going to be able to bring a new level of thinking to what you're doing. And so you'll always just kind of swim in the same little pool. Um, and so it's like, as you grow and as you start to think in new ways, your pool, you kind of might realize either that pool is bigger than you think, or you have to get in another pool. Um, and so it's really interesting. And then I think I was thinking about this was, entrepreneurship and being self-employed there's so many unknowns 
there's so much like so much changing there's so much um, uncertainty and so just to cope with that much uncertainty you need to I think have a really good foundation personal development wise I think you have to have a good relationship with yourself you need to have some consistency in your life and in terms of your routines and practices and habits because if you don't I, I, I think personally I wouldn't be able to handle the uncertainty if I didn't have you know the routines and the practices I did you know for someone who works a nine-to-five their job is so regular and maybe so the same every single day. So when they come back from work, it's almost like the opposite. They want to let loose. They want to almost go crazy. They want to like escape where if you're self-employed and go in your own path um, in your free time, you know, obviously you go have fun still, but in your free time, you're more, I think, dialed in on how can I bring some consistency to my days um, just to make sure I'm, I'm grounded. So I think, yeah, entrepreneurship, being self-employed and personal development are kind of like of the same thing. Yeah, couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the routines and practices, and I like to make a distinction, uh, a little um, language switch. I like to switch out routine for ritual because nice. I believe it adds a little bit extra level of dedication and purpose to it. Mm. Um, I think sometimes people hear the word like morning and evening routine just kind of thrown out there and they're like, yeah, I, I should probably have a morning routine. Um, and so part of the thing that I teach in my program is to switch that to ritual because it truly is that important to stick to these things. Um, and then once you do, it will just create exponential growth in your life. You're so right. I love that, man. And it takes away the pressure. Like so many of us are shooting on ourselves. I should do this. I should do that. Like I got to be so disciplined and hard on myself. And I, so I love that ritual makes it a little more sacred yep. and, you're, and it reminds you that you're doing it for you. You're not doing it for anything else, but more to like care for you and you deserve all the care in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and with that being said, what is your morning ritual? Right. So I think it can change. And um, so I think a big part of like growing and diving into the personal development world is learning as many tools as you can. That's going back to maybe that, that book thing where you maybe read a ton of books so you can find which books, you know, after reading 10, you realize that those two in the middle were your favorite, but you had to read those other books to maybe know that. I feel that way with practices and routines and rituals. Um, so mine's always evolving and I'm always kind of staying in the listening as to what I need. Um, the one that's, I would say, been for the last like three years, the almost, almost every day a non-negotiable for me is meditation. I think it's the hardest one for me to do. I have an active mind. I'm very like goal oriented. I, I tend to put too much pressure on myself. So meditation can be the hardest thing to do to stop and slow down and spend time with myself um, as someone who feels like he can never stop. And so given I'm self-aware enough to know that I put a lot of pressure on myself and it's hard for me to stop, meditation is a really good tool. And because it's hard for me, it's brought me some of the best benefits of anything. And so my morning routine, morning ritual, <laughs> great, great switch is waking up, um, you know, drinking a lot of water right away, because we wake up dehydrated, um, getting some movement and in the sun right away before I look at my phone or anything. Um, so I like the quote, I think Jim, from Jim Quick, he says, get sunlight before you get blue light. So get in the sun before you look at your phone, which is blue light. Um, I have a dog, so it makes it really easy just to get him out. I get moving. I take a walk. Sometimes I jog first thing in the morning. So I'm like moving my body, producing that cortisol, waking my body up from the sleep state. Uh, I come back and I do my meditation. I do like 20 to 30 minutes a day. Sometimes after that, 
depending on my work day, I'll do my reading, um, or I'll do some journaling or I'll do both, you know? So, but, but the non-negotiables wake up, get out, meditate. Um, it used to be when I first started down this road. So if you're early in the personal development journey, I just need, I just needed 20 minutes. So I just woke up and, um, books were doing so much for me at the time. So I would just like wake up and, you know, read for the first 20 minutes of the day. And that was it. And that was my ritual. And that I did that for like six months. And that really was like, whoa, like people don't spend that much time reading. So if you read 15 to 20 minutes every morning, you're like, I'm reading so many books. Like when you accumulate that time over time, it's uh, it's really cool. So yeah, that's my, that's my morning ritual. How about you? What's yours? Perfect. Uh, well, just like you, mine is constantly changing, constantly evolving based on new practices that I come into contact with. And so I'm always implementing new things, testing them out, seeing if they work or don't. Um, but in general, first thing I do when I wake up, I use the juve on my face uh, while I'm listening to either a podcast or some binaural beats to nice. wake me up. Uh, after that, I'll jump in the cold shower. Um, although now that it's getting hotter, it's not really that cold anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then after that, I'll go downstairs, I'll journal, um, write three things I'm grateful for, plan out my day. Uh, and then from there, I will either go on a longer walk while listening to a podcast or do some breath work for about a half hour or I'll read. Um, and then sometimes on the days that I have off, it'll be all three of those combined. Yeah. Um, after that, it's kind of up in the air. It kind of depends on the day, but those are like my, my morning non-negotiables nice man yeah it helps you get in that that state that you want to be in yeah so we talked about your your morning ritual what about the evening ritual what are your non-negotiables there uh unplug an hour before bed at least i try to do um i try to do like two to three hours so i think i'm trying to get when the sun goes down i don't look at my phone that's really hard to do as an entrepreneur because of all the open tabs and all the people you're communicating with. So I, yeah. I really do practice though. I try to set boundaries around when I can be reached, even with friends. Like I'm, I like to be known as a bad texter because people expect less from you when you just like don't text back that fast. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, unplug. That's the non-negotiable. Um, I turn my like phone to this red light mode that you can do that my buddy Matt hooked me up with. I have blue light blocking glasses. Um, so when the sun goes down, I make sure I, I'm, I'm protecting my eyes. Yeah. You got the raw optics. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. They're the best. So making sure that, you know, your eyeballs aren't getting these false signals from the blue light in your house, from any, any type of light, um, light is telling your body, Hey, wake up. It's not time to sleep. Don't produce sleep time chemicals, produce the daytime chemicals. Um, and so basically when the sun goes down, I'm trying to prepare my body for sleep. Um, trying not to eat. If I'm eating, it's hopefully before sunset. Um, but if I'm eating late, which is like, you know, it's in California here, it's 730, it's getting darkish. So by the latest, I want to be done eating by eight so that my body can just get in sleep mode. Um, and that's really my nighttime routine. I'll do some yoga before bed. Um, I like to try to be in the listening of myself at night. It's not as like structured as my mornings. Um, it's really whatever I think I can do to decompress and just breathe and get myself ready for sleep. Um, and then for me, journaling at night, one of my favorite times to journal because, you know, as a, a thinking person before bed or in bed is when sometimes you start thinking the most. If you spend 10 minutes journaling before bed, um, your unconscious will just pour out all the things you were thinking about. 
So that makes, you know, falling asleep a lot easier. And then I even like to go deep on a journal prompt before bed sometimes because when you go to bed, your, your brain's working in the background for you to solve the problems in your life, to make the next day um, a little easier. That's like what the brain does. It is solving problems for you while you sleep. It is processing. And so if you journal about something before bed that you want clarity on, and as long as you don't leave that journaling session more confused and you can kind of feel at peace and you can kind of write about it and then surrender to whatever you're working on internally, and then you go to bed, um, I think it's a really cool tool. It's like, it's like using your subconscious as a tool while you sleep. So maybe working on a problem, going to sleep, uh, waking up and just almost revisiting it and seeing, wow, like I feel much more clear. So that's kind of my, that's my nighttime long winded answer. Mm -hmm. And in the evening, do you have journal prompts that you'll follow or or is it just kind of whatever comes to mind at the time? Dude, So journaling for me um, is such a tool. Like it is the, aside from meditation, like journaling, I'll do, I could, I could journal anytime. And so I didn't put it, it's not strictly my morning routine. It's not strictly my nighttime routine. I do it when I need it. Um, But journaling is like one of those tools for me that changed so much and gave me so much perspective and clarity helped connect to my inner, like, uh, like the wiser part of myself. It helps me with my productivity. It helps me process problems I have going on in my life. It really is like you get to talk to your subconscious on the paper. And so your subconscious sometimes knows so much more than you think it does, but you don't know that until you start moving your pen across the page. So with journaling, yeah, I've, I've developed, and it's just like become an intuitive thing, but I have so many, I basically try to ask myself really good questions. So if I have something that's going on in my life, or if there's something I want to improve, I, the first thing I do is like, what is a good question I can ask myself and journal about it? Um, and so, yeah, I do, I do use prompts, but they're kind of like on the spot, what I can think of. I used to do stuff like, what am I grateful for all that stuff? I still do sometimes. Um, but now I've kind of over the years refined just a whole ton of prompts and skills and tools around journaling that any result I'm seeking in that moment, I can, I kind of can think of a prompt that would, um, set me up to get an answer I might want. And that's actually why I like not to plug myself, but I'm, I've developed a journaling course that's coming out soon and it kind of helps people optimize any result they're looking for from, you know, life clarity to productivity, to um, getting over difficult times, to getting over fears, to working through anxiety. I've paired those results with like a number of prompts. So any, anything that you want to improve in your life mentally, uh, I've kind of like tried to accumulate all the prompts I've ever used and put them for a specific result. So it makes it super easy for people. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. So I can imagine that by being around all these influential self-improvement gurus that you surround yourself with, um, there's there's probably a lot of things that you could attribute to your current success. Um, what are, or what is the major or a couple of major factors that you would contribute to that so far contribute to what to your success so far hmm. yeah I however, don't consi- you, however you define success success yeah I, that's hard i don't give myself enough credit sometimes so i don't even consider myself successful yet but to say like w- it, when i'm being kind to myself i can say like there are things in my life that are going well i'm self-employed i live in la i work with really cool people um i would say the biggest hmm really cultivating that relationship with myself and 
starting to get curious about who I really am. So it starts with, it started for me emotionally and spiritually before I could even get into the professional stuff, really dialing in like who I want to be in this world and, and what I might stand for. And um, yeah, just getting to know myself. And from there, every decision I wanted to make from there had to be like, is this aligned with like my highest self? Like, is this path, am I doing this just to like get, the, the result, like, am I just doing this for the money? Am I just doing this to like look cool in front of the people in my life? Because all these, all my friends got cool jobs. Am I just doing this to like overcompensate for being confused? Or am I doing this because even if I fail, I will have looked back and said, I'm glad I did that. Or even if I like, if, even if this doesn't pay me a ton of money, I will be glad I did that. Um, and for me, that started like after traveling, I started doing videography. That was a skill I kind of had. I was like, I'm not going to get a 95, a 95. So I'm just going to market this videography skill and see if I can get some people to pay me for it. And that was like a decision where I was like, I know I won't regret saying no to that job that I would have hated. Um, and then when it came to like connecting with people and starting to associate with the people that I wanted to associate with, it started with a podcast for me. So podcasting was like, came from an intuitive, like, that felt like an aligned step for me. And there wasn't like this thought of, Oh, podcasting will get me to introduce like all these doors open for me or it'll make me more money. But it has um, because of the connections it's built and because of the doors it's opened for me. But that came from an intuitive like place, um, you know, most likely journaling about it, but just trying to find out like what <clears throat> continually asking, what might that next step be? Like what is the wiser part of myself guiding me towards? And I think if you continually kind of like ask yourself that, where am I being led? Like what might the next step be? Just the one, the one next step. Don't look too far down, just like the next step and continually do that honestly and, and with bravery. I think that's a, a really good formula for myself to remember and for anybody else trying to find like an authentic lane, you know? So this next question might be a little bit difficult um, and we haven't talked about this beforehand, so no worries if you need some time to think about it. Oh, you're good. Um, but you you mentioned that you don't necessarily consider yourself successful, uh, and I like to define success as happiness plus excellence, mm. which basically means <clears throat> continually striving to be the best version of yourself, but like deeply and truly loving the process of doing it. Yeah. So that can be attached to a. a number in your bank account or not like that doesn't matter at all. Like you're talking about Gary Vee always talks about the person making $50,000 a year, as long as they're happy, like who are you to say that they're not successful? Yeah. So I think happiness combined with excellence. So what would your definition of happiness be or not happiness success? Mm. You know, I would, the reason I think I would say I haven't been successful yet. And I would say like, I'm beginning to become successful, but it's like, it's that unwavering belief and knowing that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm, I am where I am. And like, this is good. And though it might change and evolve and, and grow, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think I, I would, you know, combat my earlier point. And I love that you're pressing me on this because that wasn't like a good thing for me to say. And that's something I'm trying to work on, but it is, uh, I would say I'm, I'm becoming su- successful because I'm, the, the the things I'm living right now were my biggest goals like three years ago. And I just posted something on my story. Um, and it's a, it was like some image that said like, remember when you prayed for what you have today. And 
So it's, I so often forget that because like, you know, when I was 22, I would have died to be like self-employed and not be working at a restaurant and to be working with some of the people I get to work with and to have this freedom and to have developed the skills I've developed. And so I take that for granted sometimes. And I think it's because of the mindset of, I just need to keep going and going and going. And there's always going to be someone ahead of you. And that comparison game is like very dangerous. And especially for me working with some of the best in the world at what they do, I look at them and I'm like, you're successful. Um, I can't wait to be there someday. And I've really been working on that. And through some spiritual practices and just like looking at myself uh, these last few months, I've been really redefining success. And I think success is just being okay with where you are and not just okay, but loving where you are and um, loving your life. And I've really been taking that to heart lately. I've been like doing, I've been asking myself, it's like a journal prompt right here. How would I act and what would I do if I was already successful? I'm at like imagining I already consider myself successful. What might I do with my free time? How might I treat people? How would I talk to people? How would I show up every day? What might my, my, what might my morning routine be? And I started to try to just live in accordance with that. And so I've been having more fun. I've been going outside more. I've been surfing more and like, and it's funny how you start to do the things that you might do or that you have to, you feel like you have to wait to be successful to like love your life. And I've been really playing with the idea. What if you have to love your life before you become successful? Like Boom. once you, once you start to love your life, you start to have this different energy. You start to be excited and playful and almost childlike. And I think that childlike energy is so powerful. Cause like kids, when you're a kid, you just build shit and you're just like, Oh, let's go do this. Let's build this fucking sandcastle. And you can't stop a kid from doing what it's, what he says he's going to do, or she says what she's going to do. Like, they're just living in this playful, excited, creative, expansive energy. And I think as adults, we're so like confined to like, oh, I got to figure it out. And then I'll maybe have some fun. It's like, no, what if we like loved our lives, had fun. And because we're having fun and because we're loving our lives, we're starting to tap into this energy that is going to transform our lives. And I've started to see that um, just seeing how like a simple hobby like surfing has transformed my business, just making me more chill, making me more grateful, um, you know, making me protect my time a little better. And yeah, man. So great question. Great way to, way to press me on that. I would say success is just being happy where you are, you know, happy. I love this quote. Happiness is, ah, shit. Happiness is like deciding that nothing needs to change for you to be happy. You know, like happiness is the absence of trying to fix your life. So I think that's a, a long-winded way to, ex to explain success, but I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I was actually going to say a similar quote to that unhappiness, because mm -hmm. I think I think so many people are like waiting for that moment that they'll be successful, or I'll be happy when I you know yeah. get this, when I make yeah. this much money, when I get this girl, when I have this house, whatever. Um, but I heard this quote, I'm not going to remember it exactly, but it was something along the lines of happiness is when you stop actively seeking happiness. Like mm, when you're yeah. just content with where you are, like be happy with what you have. That doesn't mean that you can't continuously striving to, to get those things, right? Because yeah. my definition of success is happiness in the moment with that continual pursuit of excellence. Yeah. So enjoying where you are, but then realizing you can always get so much better, but regardless yeah. of what happens, you'll be happy with. with I love that. Are. And just to add, like add to that. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that was the quote I was looking for, but um, yeah, when you're happy 
like I, I'm still trying to embody this. Like again, wisdom is embodying. So I know this on a logical level, but like when you're happy, it, it is more fun to improve yourself. Like if I'm already happy, but I want to like get in really good shape, it's not like, Oh, I got to fix myself and then I'll be happy. It's like, no, I'm happy. I want to, I want to like get my body to be so athletic so I can have even more fun. Like mm-hmm. I'm surfing. I want to get more flexible and strong and agile so that I'm better at surfing. And like, it's a, it's a kid who's, I love the sandcastle analogy. They're not thinking, Oh, I'm at the beach. Like it's not going to be fun until I build this sandcastle. Like they're having fun. And they're like, now that I'm having fun, what can I do? Oh, I'm going to build this sandcastle. So it's like, yeah, have fun, enjoy your life. And then from that state, see what you might want to do, see what you might want to build. And there you're coming from a whole different energy. And I think um, talking spiritual beliefs, I think you're really just, your energy is so much more powerful and then the right pieces start to come together because when you're having fun and you're enjoying your life, you're being, you know, more, you're more in accordance with who you truly are and life's almost able to reflect like your true circumstances from there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Two more questions for you. The first one is a, uh, a kind of selfish one for myself. Hell yeah. Um, How was it being a quote unquote fly in the wall uh, on the Align podcast with Ben Greenfield. Oh, you, so you love Ben. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ben, I, I wasn't deep into his work. I thought he was, I'm not that science brained. I'm more like a feeling kind of like uh, energetic type person, to be honest. So I had never resonated with Ben's, Ben's work that much until I had met him. Mm-hmm. He, he's a really fascinating guy and I really like him. And He's obviously, he reminds me of Matt Maruka from Raw Optics in that they both are just so intelligent and that they could read an entire book and tell you from like front to back what they learned. And that's just not me. I have to revisit it. I have trouble expressing myself. Like I have trouble expressing what I've learned really well until I like really know it. They're just like sponges, like just truly a special brain they have Um, and well-earned. Like he really optimizes that shit. But just to hear his... Ben Greenfield's approach to family and the way he treats his family and how his kids are the most important thing to him and how his faith and his relationship to like spirit and or God or whatever you want to call it. He has, he's, that is what that at the end of the day, you, you could see him as like a biohacker, but when you hear him and talk to him and see how he moves, like the most important thing to him is his faith and his family. And that is like something that I resonate with and that I see for myself. And so, yeah, man, that was a really cool experience. I mean, working with Aaron Alexander from Align Podcast was, um, shout out to Aaron, like the Align Podcast is really good. Check it out if you haven't. One of the best blessings ever just to be able, like you said, I was a fly on the wall for that conversation, but dozens and dozens others that just have expanded me so much. So Aaron is like a big bro to me. So I'm super grateful. That's amazing. All right. Last question. Uh, I know you talked a little bit about this before. Um, and so that's okay if it's, it's the same, but what are you excited about now? So I know you mentioned your course. Um, you, you want to tell us not a little excited. bit more about that? I'm excited about the course, but I'm more nervous about it, man. It's like when you create something that's truly yours and like, it's really vulnerable and scary. So I'd say I, I'm working through some fear over that. Like that thing has been almost done for months and I have not put it out yet. And, um, so I'm calling myself out and just saying like, I'm learning to have compassion with the parts of the me or that are still scared to share stuff, but I'm excited about really like, I think the thing we talked about in terms of what is success is the thing I'm most excited about continually 
you know, my lease is up where I'm living right now. And there's, there's all these uncertainty things in my life all the time. There's always uncertainty being self-employed. I think continually practicing loving my life and doing the things that make me love my life right now is what makes me most excited. And uh, I'm really excited to continue to do the things that make me feel the most max I can be. So there's all these things that we do throughout our days. Some of them feel like they really make us feel like ourselves. Some of us, some of those things take them, take us away from ourselves, if that makes sense. There's something that you do that you're like, man, I just feel good. I feel like myself. And then there's other things you do them and you're like, I feel drained. And I'm starting to really get clear on what few things in my life make me feel like I'm on the right path. I'm having fun. I'm doing the right thing. And I'm really trying to learn, like, how do I optimize my entire day in life so that I'm only doing the things that are in alignment with me and trusting that all the proper pieces will come in line from there. Um, so that's something maybe to, it's a good ending point to, for people to chew on. Like, what makes you, you? What things that you do make you feel like yourself? And whether they seem like they're connected to where you want to go in life or not, just trust that the more that you do the things that make you, you, the more life will reflect back to you a life that is truly yours. And that is something I'm still trying to put into practice and I'm trying to embody. And uh, that's what I'm fucking excited about. Oh, awesome. Don't be afraid to be an individual. Hell yeah, man. I love it. Awesome. Well, uh, Max, tell people where they can find you because this conversation has been fantastic. I'm glad you think so, man. Great interviewing, by the way. I really enjoyed it. And uh, good questions. You can find me on Instagram. Hit me up, Max W. McCoy. Um, send me a DM. Let me know what you liked about this talk. And I try to respond to everybody. Maybe I'll send you a voice message. I like to connect and try to make it as human as possible. Um, and then my podcast is called Looking Up with Max McCoy or Looking Up by Max McCoy. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where I interview really cool people. And uh, I really love that space. So those are the best two places to find me. Awesome. Well, Max, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on and uh, spread some wisdom, or I guess knowledge, it won't be wisdom until they implement it. Uh, <laughs> so guys, implement this shit. Uh, go follow Max, hit him up, listen to his podcast. And uh, Max, thank you again for being on the show. That does it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening to Looking Up. I so appreciate you lending your time and your ear. There are so many things that you could be listening to there's so much noise out there so the fact that you have landed here is very special to me if you would like more from me i send out emails every monday things that i'm working on and using in real time to keep my mind and my spirit sharp things like journal prompts book recommendations videos podcast articles and reflections if you want that i would love to send you an email and have a little bit more of an intimate connection with you so if that sounds of interest to you I'll put a link below in the show notes. And besides that, thank you for listening to Looking Up. Share this podcast with someone you love. Share this with your mom, your dog, your friend, your roommate, your grandma, whoever might like it. Uh, subscribe, of course. Leave a review. Those are the ways that you could support me, my work, and the show. And that's it. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. And I will see you on the next episode. Peace.